Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Well, it's a pretty damn exciting day to be an Edmonton Oilers fan, I have to say. I don't think the Oilers have been this busy at a trade deadline in kind of a since the cup run of 2006. What, who do they pick up? Samsonov, Spachek, Pekka? No, Pekka was with the team already. Uh, who else did they pick up? Um, well, they got Roley just a little bit before that. Of course, yeah. And they, they were just movers and shakers throughout that throughout that period. Yeah. So today, Bruce, they um, traded Sam Gagne, two second-round picks for Andreas Athanasiu and Ryan Kuffner, who is an AHL forward. They traded uh, a fifth-round pick for Tyler Ennis. And last night, of course, they traded a conditional fourth pick for Mike Green. So the cupboard's getting a little bare for mid-round draft picks. But, Bruce, they've really changed their roster. They've really uh, added um, some interesting players. What's your take? Let's, let's anything, we, we talked about the green trade. Have you, anything else you want to say about it? What do you think about him on the power play, which has been discussed today? Oh, yeah, I'm a little surprised to hear people just assume he's going to move into number one on the power play unit. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's a very experienced guy, right shot defenseman, which you like in that position. Uh, with Oscar Kleffbaum out, the orders have been trying Darnell Nurse and then last night a little bit Ethan Bear, uh, who are playing tons of minutes in other situations. So uh, maybe that's an area where they can uh, uh, they can slot Green in and know that uh, uh, he'll probably perform okay with it, you know, with his experience and so on. Uh, I don't know how big of a booming shot he has anymore. He certainly did have one at one time. But um, he certainly gives them some added uh, flexibility and certainly experience back there. And when you're looking at a decor that's currently running three rookies, uh, having a 34-year-old guy waiting in the wings may not be the worst idea. So his power playing this year, he's been playing quite a bit. He's got 117 minutes on the power play in Detroit. And out of... Um, 83 NHL defensemen, Bruce, who have played mm -hmm. regularly on the power play this year. That's more than 50 minutes. Yep. He ranks 76th out of 83 mm -hmm. for power play scoring. So that's not very good. Now, when I posted that, a lot of people said, well, you know, that's Detroit. They're terrible. Yeah, well, he's part of that. Right. Uh, terrible this year on the power play. And so count me as a skeptic. I mean, I don't I, I, I don't mind trying them. Of course, give them a mm -hmm. try. But, you know, Mike Green was a great power player when he was Ethan Bear's age. That's when he was at his peak power play performance. I don't know why. It's not like power play minutes are tough minutes for anybody. They're not the toughest minutes. And um, I'd, I would like to see Ethan Bear stay there personally. But what really got me was the suggestion that was made by a, a few uh, commentators that Green would be on the power play when Clefbaum came back, cutting down on Clefbaum's minutes. Man. They've got the number one power play in the NHL with Oscar Kleffbaum running it. He's doing a fantastic job, I think. You know, the main job of the power play is to move the puck smartly to the right guy on the half wall. And it's either usually uh, Nugent Hopkins or Dreisaitl or McDavid. 
Mm-hmm. Clef Bomb's got that down to a fine art, Bruce. He does. And he I'm, does. I'm so okay. I'm prepared to say, yeah, let's see how Mike Green does, and and he could probably do that job fairly well. He is a good pass for the puck. He set up Ovechkin and Backstrom all those years fairly well. Yep. But I'm not so sure about the. Anyway, this will all play out, and and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, some of it too is um, people commenting at a distance, right? Yeah. Sort of say, well, what's Mike Green's reputation power play whiz? Uh, Edmonton's got uh, a good power play, but they've got no sort of whiz point man that's got a huge reputation. So maybe that's where they'll slot Green in. Um, and, you know, the, the people that cover, you know, league-wide, I don't know that they know the situations of the individual teams as much as people who focus on one team will know about that team. And that's good and bad. Sometimes that provides some much-needed perspective from outside as well. But I'm not sure I see a 34-year-old Mike Green rolling in and taking over Edmonton Oilers' number one power play. But I can see him playing some time on the power play, and if he clicks, well, he'll get more time on the power play. It was Mark Spector who was saying that um, he he expected Green okay, to replace Clefbaum. Well, that's, that's an insider to the team then. So yeah, maybe ready. that's what they're thinking. You know, maybe that's what that's the Oilers right. are thinking. But anyway, whatever they're thinking, that can quickly change. I mean, mm-hmm. we heard last week that Dar- they were going to stick with Darnell Nurse on the power play, right. and he was the guy, and this is what right. they were going to do. We heard that, Bob Stoffer said it. But yep. how long did that last? I mean, uh, not very long. Ethan Bear was the number one guy, as he should have been. Um, I mean, I think there's a pecking order on these things, and Nurse had to be given a shot, but that wasn't working, so they went to Bear. All right, let's go to the big trade of the day, Bruce. Andreas mm-hmm. Athanasio. Mm-hmm. What do you say, man? Well, I've been kind of um, looking hard at him. There's been a lot of talking about him all year, of course. And the... Uh, uh, the player certainly has his, um, you know, his downside. Apparently, he's uh, uh, well by all record, he's not a very good defensive player. He's a speedster. Uh, whether he's a speedster who can play with another speedster, whether he's a speedster who can play without the puck and go to places where someone can get him the puck, as opposed to taking it there himself, which is kind of his rep with uh, with Detroit again from a distance. Um, you know, how well can he? Uh, fit the you know the need of the team, which is which is wingers who can play well without the puck, and that's whether Connor McDavid has it or whether the other team has it. So you know we're going to have a good long hard look at that player, I'm sure, uh, before we conclude. On the other hand, this is a 25 year old guy who scored 30 goals in the NHL last season and 54 points. And so clearly there's some uh, some offensive talent to be unlocked in there. And 30 goals looks pretty good when you compare him to, say, the guys who were on the wing of Connor McDavid last night. And so it, it's, it's an upgrade. Uh, I'm impressed that Holland was able to move out the Sam Gagne contract in that deal. So basically balance the money for this year. So really it's only the two second-round picks, you know, and... and uh, not only that, he even added a minor league player, uh, Kuffner, uh, who is uh, Princeton University's all-time leading goal scorer that Holland himself signed out of college last year. So Holland would know that player. Uh, and he got Detroit. I mean, now he hasn't had a great rookie year in Grand Rapids, and he may be 
a whole lot of not much. Um, but the fact that uh, Holland was able to get that guy included in this deal for the two second round picks maybe adds a little bit of much needed depth down in uh, Bakersfield. Yeah, let's just go over the Oilers' second round picks in recent years, Bruce. Let's start. We'll just go post lockout. Okay. So second round pick, first one, Jeff Petrie. Good pick. Next one, they didn't have a pick for a couple of years here. Moving on, Anton Lander. Oh, decent bet. And he played a bunch of NHL games. He he wasn't a strikeout by any means. He just never hit, you know, okay. never hit. Tyler Pitlick, Martin Brinson, and Curtis Hamilton. Two out of three that, you know, have had careers in the NHL. None of them is a real difference maker. David Musil, Mitch Moraz, oh. Marco Roy. Yeah, strike one, two, and three. Moving on, Tyler Benson. Well, we're about to find out. Uh, early, you know, he's finally gone through the uh, the training periods and the WHL and the AHL, and we're just seeing him breaking in on the NHL stage now. But he's uh, he has a chance to be the best of all those picks since Jeff Petrie. Moving on, Ryan McLeod, Olivier Rodrigue, and Raphael Lavoie, and it's too early to tell on any of those players. Yeah. So, Bruce, um, it's pretty obvious that there, of that group of players, only one of them, Jeff Petrie, has been as good an NHL player in a given year as, as uh, Andreas Athanasiou has been, uh, was last year when he scored right. 30 goals. Mm-hmm. So I think you can obviously hit it big with a second-round draft pick, but... Yeah. Um, they're not the be-all, end-all of NHL existence. So our friend at uh, uh, the the Blue Bullet Report, mm-hmm. Brad McPherson, has done some work valuing draft picks. Right. So the first overall <coughs> draft pick, it, he ha- he gives a value if for a forward. He tries to get it about 100, a career value of, it's 102. So the career value for a first overall pick is 102. Mm-hmm. For the 10th overall pick, it's about one quarter of that. So the career value for the 10th overall pick is 26.2. For the 30th overall pick, it's 8.9. So it's about one-tenth the career career value of the first overall pick. And when you get to the second round, it looks like the average second round pick is about one-twentieth the value of the first overall pick. So there's a r- very rapid drop-off in the value of draft picks in the NHL draft where the first top picks are just incredibly valuable. And then when even when you get to like the end of the first round, they're a lot less valuable. In the second round, well, you know, like we, we just went through the list of players. I don't think the Oilers did a very good job in, of drafting in the second round. So, so there might be some teams that hit a lot better in the second round with one or two players. But I think generally speaking... Um, I'm okay with the trade, giving up two second-round draft picks for Athanasio, partly because, well, they didn't give up the first overall. They got a winger who can play in their top six, and um, he's an RFA. The Oilers have his rights heading into next year. So it wasn't just a a rental. He's not a rental. He's a player that they can sign if they like him. So I'm okay with, with the value proposition of the trade. Not... And this is, for, I don't know about Athanasio, other than his statistics. Just, you know, his horrible plus minus mm-hmm. number of minus 46 and 45 games, or it's the other way around, minus 45. Around, okay. Yeah, birdie on every hole. <clears throat> <as opposed laughs> to the green jacket. 
His horrible plus minus number is is obviously wretched, ghastly. But again, that's a number earned by a group of players in Detroit. And they're all horrible and wretched and ghastly this year when it comes to two-way play, it looks like. And he's part of that. So it's it's he is a winger, so we'll 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 see how he does. Bruce, so I'm gonna go to a few comments from um um the NHL uh cognoscenti on uh TSN and Sportsnet, and I'm gonna get you to react to them, okay? Sure. Here's what the, here's what they were saying because I was sitting there glued to my TV set and through the wonders of uh, the PVR I was able to transcribe oh, some of their comments. So um, Brian Burke, Sportsnet. <laughs> All I can tell you about Athanasiu is he makes both teams dangerous. <laughs> the Oilers definitely got faster, but this guy is not a defender. Right. So that's Brian Burke's assessment, and it lines up with the, the plus minus mm-hmm. Ray Ferraro. <clears throat> he says, it feels like this is the type of player who has had such a crap year. that can hit lightning here playing with McDavid. He's, he said, he's intrigued by this. And then he said, I think that what concerns me is that he likes the puck. Yes. A likes the puck. He likes to rush it. He likes to carry it. The guy he's going to be playing with should be carrying the puck all the time. And finally, Craig Button said, maybe they shouldn't play Athanasio with McDavid. They should play him with, with Nugent Hopkins. And uh, Craig Button's comment uh, on TSN was, he plays with blinders on. He's like a, a drag racer. He's not a Formula One racer. He's just straight ahead. <laughs> and if you're playing him with Connor McDavid, you better be thinking, where's Connor? Or, and if you're going to play with Connor McDavid, you better be thinking, where's Connor so I can get him the puck? Yep. I don't think Athanasio... Uh, is a good fit for Connor McDavid. So what well, do you I, think? Those uh, those are the major negative comments. Yeah, well, the business of him needing to carry the puck, that, that's, a, that's a real thing. You know, yeah. and, and, and if you have two full-time puck carriers on one line, there's often, a, you know, not enough pucks to go around. Uh, it's one of the reasons that uh, for all of their wonderful skills that... Um, uh, Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier always played on separate lines because they were both primary puck transporters themselves. Um, and I'm not about to compare Andreas Athanasiu to Mark Messier, don't get me wrong, but you, when you're playing with McDavid, you want guys that can hit the holes and convert the chances, put the puck in the net. Now that we know he can do. Uh, the rest... I guess we're about to find out. I, you know, I, I'm. Uh, I think the fact that he's coming in with just ten goals under his belt this year and that huge minus, uh, the, there's uh, that actually works a little bit in the Oilers' favor in that when he's RFA this summer, uh, and they have to qualify him at his current salary of three million dollars, but that's his platform season that he would be making his uh, potential um, arbitration or, you know, contract demands on. So uh, they should be able to extend the guy for uh, a reasonable uh, sum going forward. But uh, there there are big question marks. How can there not be with a guy that's minus 45? I don't care what team he's on. That's uh, pretty atrocious. But Bruce, in terms of his contract negotiations, you're forgetting the 14 goals he's going to score in 25 playoff games this well, year. So Yeah, I am. <clears throat> um yeah, so could Pierre LaRouche play with uh, Guy Lafleur? And a more recent example, 
Taylor Hall and Connor McDavid. I don't think they, like, I know some people think yes. that they, no one gave that a chance. Those guys had zero chemistry, Taylor Hall and Connor McDavid. And Athanasio sounds to me like a, a poor man's version of Taylor Hall. Same player, just a lesser version of that player. Um, so, yeah, Hall, um, wanted, Hall wanted the puck too, and I mean, yeah. good on him. I mean, he was a, he was a great player because of that. But uh, sometimes, like I say, there's just not enough pucks to go around. So you have to uh, you have to find complementary players. Well, maybe and, he'll be on the third line, Athanasio, and good on the third line. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I guess not impossible. Certainly, they're going to have to. Uh, Dave Tippett's going to have to do some shuffling and some coaching, and see who fits where. But uh, uh, I'm, you know, so far our idea, my idea of complementary players with uh, McDavid are uh, uh, Sam Gagne and Alex Chason c- coming up to him afterwards say, "Nice goal, Connor." <laughs> <laughs> Spe- yeah, the spelling, the uh, change the spelling. spelling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant, Bruce, brilliant. Um, <laughs> Dave Tippett gives me faith, faith Bruce, yeah. that this move me is going to work out. Tippett. Tippett seems to um, be a master this year, at least, of finding the right role for the right player and convincing the player about the role. So if if um, so, Mike Johnson was on TSN as well, and here's what he said. He says, even if it doesn't fit perfectly, even if they're not the perfect blend, Connor McDavid is talented enough. If you have any kind of offensive instincts or even uh, to know just to get out of the way or go to the, to the net and let him do his thing, you'll pick up points, you'll pick up goals, you'll feel better for yourself. So that's how we thought Athanasio might play. And Tippett, you know, it's I, I with Athanasio's poor goal scoring this year and terrible plus minus, he might be a little bit humbled here and um, thinking. So if Tippett says, OK, buddy, yeah, if you got the lane with the puck, take it to the net, of course. Right. But other than that, just when you say McDavid go to the net, you go to the net and you get in front of that goalie and you stop at the net and you get that rebound or you get the tip in. And then you forecheck like hell, and you get him the puck. And on defense, you 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 stay with your man, and you stay between your man and the net. Like three things. That's what we want from you, essentially. I think that that might work. I think that um, I've got some hope there, Bruce. That that these are very simple roles for a winger to play. It's not asking a ton, and maybe that's going to work. I would hate to see the Oilers have to break up the dynamite line. Dreisaitl, uh, Yamamoto, and Nugent Hopkins. I just don't want to see that. So it will be fantastic if you it, like if you get a line with Athanasio, McDavid, and Cassian. That is a big, fast, skilled it's hockey really line. Fast. Yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> who is the defensive conscience on that line, but uh, uh, there's <laughs> certainly going it. to be exciting at both ends of the ice, as uh, as that one commenter noted. Yeah. Well, I, I was. <laughs> I wasn't expecting them to make a trade burst today. I didn't think they'd pull off the big trade because I thought from that other teams were going to be more desperate to pay a higher price, <clears throat> including for FNSU, who was on the block. So, um, you know, that was my prediction. I was, I was incorrect. Um, I think Holland, um, and I was partly basing it just on Holland's verbal going in. You know, he didn't seem too keen to pull the trigger on it. But maybe, maybe he's... Uh, a good card player, good poker player, as Kurt Levin suggested. Kurt Levin's in his bl- uh, blog post um, yesterday said the Oilers might be making some big moves, and Kurt Levin's yeah. was correct. Yeah, I think he named a couple of the names too, didn't he? I think he may. Well, Kurt's Kurt's on a pretty big hot streak here, man. We're we're lucky to have him. 
So, Bruce, Tyler Ennis, what do you think? Yeah. Well, you know, a year ago, Tyler Ennis was on the last year of a five-year, $23 million contract. And as that wound down, he'd gone from being a pretty regular um, sort of 40-plus point scorer to uh, dropping off the map. But this year, he's bounced back. We talked about this a little bit last night because his name has come up. But uh, 33 points in 61 games, minus 5 in Ottawa, which is not terrible. Uh, he's um, uh, got the most goals, uh, most assists, and most points that for him since 2014-15, so a little bit of a renaissance year, and I think part of that has to do with good health, and probably part of it has to do with just having more opportunity in Ottawa, where there's not a lot of players ahead of him. Uh, but he is a proven player. You know, he's got 600 NHL games under his belt and 300 points uh, over the course of his, uh, uh, what is it now, 10 seasons. And he's got, uh, uh, he's just 30 years old, uh, so, you know, he's he's basically, he's the new Gagne, but a faster Gagne, yeah. and a, uh, a left-shooting Gagne, and a much cheaper Gagne at 800000 uh, you know, uh, for a depth player, which is much more in keeping with what Ken Holland likes to pay for his uh, third and fourth liners. And, I, you know, I, I think we'll see him as a depth player, but chipping in here and there and maybe moving up the lineup and... If Aston is CU's having a bad night, you might see Ennis get some of his shifts, you know, and, and putting a little pressure on that way. Uh, but depth guys with some uh, knowledge of where the net is, is uh, always a nice idea to have one or two of those somewhere lower down your, your batting order. You know, they can't all be five goal scorers. Yeah, I really like the pickup of Ennis, like a fifth round draft pick. That's you just give it up, you know, a, a flyer. You're taking a flyer at that point, although you can get a good player one in mm -hmm. 10 years, maybe. Um, <clears throat> Bruce, exactly. And he'd be the one in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, Tyler Ennis is actually scoring at a higher rate than FNSU at even strength this year. Ennis ranks 161st out of 393 regular NHL forwards. Ennis is at 1.86 points per 60. That's pretty good. Afanasiu is at 238th at 157. Wow. So he's, um, Gagne is at 284th overall in the rankings. So um, Kyler Yamamoto is um, fourth, 3.38 points per 60. Wow. Drysaddle is ninth. McDavid's 21st. Cassian uh, is 79th. Nugent Hopkins is 94th. And Ennis is 161st. That's pretty good for Tyler Ennis. James Neal is at 331st out of 393. So when you talk about maybe moving Neal down the roster, you can see, you know, he kind of slots into the chase on roll, maybe as the third line guy and then on the power play. But, um, yeah, we can definitely see, you know, the Oilers have really transformed that top six. Eh? I mean, we don't know if FNOC is going to stick there, but... Um, I'm assuming he's going to. Not bad. Not bad work. Well, they've transformed the top six, the bottom six, and the defensive six. You know, with the three, with the three <laughs> and the trades. Goalie. Yeah. With the three trades. So, yeah. And, you know, today's date, I mean, the Mike Green trade technically came down after midnight Eastern time, so it's a deadline trade as well. Uh, I think... Uh, 
looking at the overall situation, what what impresses me about, I mean, we don't know how the bets are going to turn out, but, yeah. but we do know this, uh, that Ken Holland and, and bringing in three NHL players to his roster was able to move out uh, two undesirable contracts and Kyle Brodziak and Sam Gagne. I have nothing bad to say about Sam Gagne as a player, but his contract was pretty toxic at $3.15 million. Yeah. That Oilers got back for Ryan Spooner. Well, they moved that out now for Athanasiu at the same uh, dollar rate, uh, who, you know, is, uh, is uh, a young up-and-comer as opposed to Sam being more of that depth depth guy with, uh, with some pop in his stick. Uh, so he got rid of those two contracts. He brought in four guys. So the Oilers are right at the 50-man limit now. And he gave up two seconds, a fourth, and a fifth-round draft choice in the future. But what he did not give up was any of Philip Broberg, Evan Bouchard, Dmitry Samorkov, Tyler Benson, uh, any of the, you know, Ryan McLeod, any of the young closer. guys in the system. Uh they're they're there and closer to the NHL than some second or fourth round pick from this or next year's draft is, or almost by definition a half a decade away. Uh, so uh, he was able to keep his current prospect pool in, intact, and in fact add one player to that. And uh, the only guys that that he moved out, I think we can say they're upgrades to the current roster, and and without pillaring his 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 prospect depth but where they are really going to be short now going forward is draft picks man saturday on draft day is going to be deadly dull for us i think because i got no second <laughs> third or fourth as the way things are shaping up now well and next year they've given up potentially the uh uh second and the fifth so that's that's a few holes like they're only they only got about four or five picks a year for the next couple of years well, they could trade Pugliarvi for a draft pick. They could yes. trade Juju Kara for a draft pick. Um, yeah, they could trade a defenseman and get a draft pick. Um, yeah, they may have to do that after yeah. the season to recoup the draft choice. But for now, they've strengthened the team for the stretch run, and that's uh, that's all. When you you know when you look at all that, added three players, took nothing really from the team, took nothing from the prospect pool. And no first-rounder traded either. I mean, that's the other big asset that remains with the Oilers. They kept their first-rounder. Here's what I like about Ken Holland's work. Last year, when the Oilers were behind in games, Bruce, they had very little chance of coming back because they couldn't put pressure on the opposing team on the forecheck. They were too slow. Mm -hmm. They put out their third and fourth lines, and they were those guys were just too slow to get after it. And so here's who they've gotten rid of. These are all players who played more than 300 minutes last year for the Oilers forwards. Kyle Brodziak, Ty Raddy, Sam Gagne, Milan Lucic, and, and Colby Cave all played more than 300 minutes for the Oilers, and Lucic played a lot. Yeah. And so did Raddy. And so did Brodziak. Those guys were all slow by None NHL standards. None of them could skate. So here's who they have now instead. Gaetan Haas, Tyler Ennis, Joachim Nigard, Andreas Athanasiu, and Josh Archibald. And all of those guys are at least above average NHL yeah. skaters. And some of them, Nigard and Athanasiu, are two of the fastest players in the, in the NHL. Tyler Ennis is pretty fast, as I recall, as well. So, Bruce, they've taken three of the five of the slowest players in the NHL, and they brought in a few of the fastest. And, and 
and all and other guys above average. Gaetan Haas is really fast as well. I just, you know, so Brian Burke was kind of complaining, well, who's going to win the puck, essentially? You got all that speed. Who's going to win the puck? He was grumping. I, I'd say all of those players are better puck winners as well, pretty much, as their counterparts. I don't know about Athanasiu in that regard. But um, Archibald wins pucks. Nygaard is good on the forecheck. He wins pucks. Haas, well, he doesn't win that many pucks. He's just fast. Um, but we'll see, and we'll see Ennis and Athanasiu. But I'm feeling Nygaard's pretty good, good about on this. Nygaard's good on the puck. Uh, he really recovery is. Recovery, too. He really uh, is. It reminds me of, um, you know, speed uh, is that element that's useful in both offense and defense. Yeah. And it reminds me of some work Bill James did back in the 1980s in which he determined that guys that the guys that get to the most balls make the most plays, even if they make errors, more errors on average than the other guys. If they, you know, if you get if you get to twenty more balls and you throw three of them into the dugout, you still made seventeen plays that uh, that weren't made. And he also did some did some research that showed uh, outfielders that had a reputation for having weak throwing arms still got more than their share of assists from the outfield if they were speedsters. They just got to the ball quicker than the base runner was calculating. And they, even a you know sort of average throw into the base might beat a base runner just because the throw, the guy throwing the ball was the second early compared to a, a, a comparable uh, play from an average player. And that kind of speed, I mean, if you win a race to the puck, you've won a puck battle. It's not like you've gone into the boards and bashed some big guy and taken yeah. the puck out of his possession. You just went in there first and got it. And that that's a valid puck battle, in my opinion, and uh, the more speed, the better. Need your... Uh, I did it again. Speed, is, speed, Bruce, is putty in Dave Tippett's hands. He, he knows how to mold that speed into a useful hockey player. And I think he's going to do that with um, all of these players. And I, I don't think, I, I mean, there's all of this bad verbiage, negative verbiage about Athanasio right now, right? Like, and we're just hearing what they're willing to say on the air, on right. TV, you know, respectable commentators who have to make respectable comments. But Ken Holland, he knows plus everything Brian about Bird. him. <laughs> yeah, plus Brian Bird. Ken Holland knows everything about this player. He's been around him. He, he's been around him for years. And he knows about this player and he knows mm -hmm. about his coach. He's not trading for this player if he doesn't think his coach can make something of this player. And from what I've seen of Dave Tippett, the way that Archibald, Sheehan um, have improved this year, stepped up their games, other players have stepped up their play games, found their roles on the Oilers. Um, I, I'm confident he's, there's a short time span and it took Archibald and Sheehan a while to really mm -hmm. get going. But And there is just a short time span here. It's like a... A month and a half, I guess, to playoffs, correct? Yeah. Month, five weeks, 40, six weeks. Four, 40 days before the regular season finale is when the trade deadline is. It's like okay. Lent from here to the end of the season, 40 days, and then, of course, another half week before they actually start playing playoff games. So six weeks. So he's got some time here. He's got some games. He's got 20, 20 games? Uh, yeah, yes. 20 games. <clears throat> so it was about 20 games that it took Shane and Archibald to really get going. Yep. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm pretty happy, Bruce. It's been like I, as I said to start off this podcast, it has been a long time since we've had a trade deadline. 
I mean, unless you count the trade that like where they traded for Alice Cotalik and uh, <laughs> Patrick O'Sullivan. Is that it? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, they got a pick in the Patrick O'Sullivan deal, and they immediately used it on Alish Kotelik. Oh, God. Anyway. Then there yeah. was a year we brought in Jared Smithson. And, uh, I remember in that. In 2013, when they were actually in the playoff hunt in the lockout short and Ralph Kruger season, and uh, the big ad at the deadline was Jared Smithson, who, who had done well in the face-off circle against New Jersey in the previous year's playoffs, and otherwise didn't really have a lot going on in his career. Yeah. Uh, and they really didn't do a lot to help that team. And the one playoff year, of course, in all those years, uh, they brought in uh, David DeHarnay, who did score one mammoth goal in those playoffs in 2017, but, uh, you know, he wasn't really a difference maker. Uh, today they brought in uh, three experienced NHL players, uh, uh, just using round numbers, 900 games played for Mike Green, 600 for... Tyler Ennis, 300 for Andreas Athanasiu. I mean, these are guys that have been around, know the league, and, you know, are, have established what they're capable of. And so we'll see what uh, what uh, Coach Dave Tippett can do with them. Uh, but I have to say, to this point, I'm impressed with what Coach Dave Tippett has done with his team, and I'm impressed with what GM Ken Holland has done with his team. And I think uh, Holland really... He, he soft-pedaled what he was going to do today, but he, he really pulled the trigger on uh, uh, on changing, not the core of his team, the core of his team is intact, but changing, you know, the, the, the moving parts. And some of them move a lot faster than the old parts. Yeah, I did a poll. Let me just have a look what the results are. I just asked about the Athanasio trade. 95%. Yeah, 90%. 94%, we've had about 1,500 votes now, and 94% of Oilers fans approve of the trade. So people are happy, Bruce. People love you know, trades generally, mm, but most trades. It's, it's interesting because Shirelli, yeah, that's true. Shirelli was in a similar kind of situation with mm -hmm. a team in about a similar kind of spot mm -hmm. um, in 2017, and he just made the one small trade. And there's been people who have criticized him for that, saying he should have gone in right. a little bit harder on that. And mm -hmm. um, so Holland didn't take the same approach. We'll see if it works out any differently than it did, excuse me, for Shirelli. But um, you're right. People are really positive usually when there's a trade. That's typically the response. But um, often people are right. You know, often if people really think this is, it's a great trade, I, you know, people were pretty excited when James Neal was traded for Milan Lucic. Yep. <laughs> That's worked out okay. Oh, yeah, not bad. I mean, the, the Neil contract is itself fairly toxic, but it's a it's a it's a damn sight better than the Lucic contract was. Uh, the three guys he's added today. The good thing is there's no long term commitments at all. I mean, both Green and and Ennis are are UFA at the end of this year, and you know add them to the pile of all these other guys they have that are that are expiring free agents. Where presumably he's going to keep the best of them, and mm -hmm. Athanasiu is not locked up. For some big contract figure, it remains to be seen uh, if and for how much and for how long uh, they come to terms on a new deal. But it's not like they're they're locked into something. They've taken on somebody else's contract problem. It's not that. Uh, I do know Holland did have uh, issues negotiating with this player last time around, so that could be could get interesting at some point. But uh, 
the Oilers do have the hammer of RFA rights. And he can go, Athanasiu can go to arbitration, I understand. Yes, he can. So any other comments about other teams, Bruce, what they've done? The Flames, I guess, picked up Mr. Gustafson. Mm-hmm. He's a hell of a hockey player. The guy John Willis and I watched at Doyler's uh, summer development camp a number of years ago, and we both came away and said, geez, that guy looked good. Just so polished and smooth and made it look so easy how he moved the puck. And, of course, the Oilers never signed him. Uh, the one that really kind of popped me my eyes a little bit was uh, Vegas Golden Knights picking up Robin Lehner. Yikes. I did not see him going to Vegas. I thought for sure he would go to Carolina. Uh, so that's a divisional rival now that has got, uh, uh, I would say, unquestionably the best goaltending in the division with both Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Lehner. Of course, the good news is come playoff time, they can't both play at once. They're going to you know, use one or the other. But uh, they're well covered in the in the net, and they had ha- they had been having big problems with their backup goalie. They didn't they were playing uh, flurry almost every game, and now they're going to be able to to uh, use him a little more judiciously uh, down the stretch. So they that, gave up, that's uh, a big pickup. Malcolm Malcolm Subban and their second pick for Leonard. That's not bad at all. That's really. not a bad price that because uh, Leonard is a. He's a starting goalie, that's for sure. And Flurry Subban hurt. I don't not. pay that much attention to other teams. Uh, he honestly. was for a while, and yeah. Subban played a bunch and sort of failed the test, is what I recall. But uh, this was months ago, and uh, uh, I couldn't give you a lot of details. But there's a reason Vegas was a little down in the standings for much of the season, and part of that was they only had one goalie they could count on. There's still no news on what Calgary gave up to get Gustafson. I'm mm-hmm. guessing a second pick, second round pick or two, uh, would be the price. I'm just guessing though, so I don't know. Hopefully a lot. Hopefully they paid dearly. There was a story going around one time today that Johnny Goodrow had left the ice during the Flames practice, and and of course all the radar went up. Now good, you know, player leaves ice in practice on the trade deadline. Where's mm-hmm. he gone? Right. And I, I was already nicknaming nicknaming him Johnny Johnny Good Riddance. <laughs> <laughs> And then he comes back and he tells reporters, I had to go pee. <laughs> Flames. That was funny. The Flames also got Dark Forbert. Forbert. Oh. From the, um, yeah. Yeah, he was in, he, he played against the Oilers last night. He got into it with somebody in the game last night. Who was it he was jostling with? Uh, there was a scrum chase on. Yeah. Well, Bruce, I'm glad. The Oilers kept their first pick. They got a mm-hmm. they got a, a top six winger, you know. I think they have their third line center in Riley Shea, and honestly, mm-hmm. um, they got a really good depth forward, a faster version of Sam Gagne. They got a depth D man to help out because you always need D men. That's for sure. They go down like flies, you know. You know, Russell's hurt, Clefbaum's hurt, Matt Benning's been hurt uh, much of the year. This really helps. It, it, they don't have to rush back if you have Mike Green. Um, I really like that trade. So. I'm going to give Ken Holland a um, an A, grade mm-hmm. A, not A plus because I, I if it, if you had just given like a second and a third pick, third round pick for, um, I would have been that much more happier with the Athanasio trade, but I, that's just quibbling. But I'll give him an A. What about you? Yeah, I can't argue. He got rid of a couple of contracts that weren't helping. Uh, he brought in three players who might help. And he gave up neither the first-round pick nor any of his core prospect group. So 
uh, those are all check marks uh, from where I sit. And the DARTHA draft choices, well, that's going to be something they're going to have to figure out going ahead, but it doesn't affect this year's team and it doesn't really affect next year's team. It's it's uh, it's a down-the-road thing. And uh, if Holland has shown one thing already, it's that he's able to find players to, to flesh out his roster. And we know that the core group is here for a long time. So uh, I think the team is pretty well positioned at this moment in time. Yeah, like, you know, you don't have the second round pick. Well, they're going to bring in maybe Slepeshev back next year, right? Like, you know, the players that we listed, remember all those, we went down that list. I mean, Slepeshev is as good as a lot of those guys. So, you know, he's as good as probably Tyler Pick, like in the end. So, yeah, good day overall. Well, thanks for talking, Bruce. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We look forward to seeing all these new guys, or at least most of them in action tomorrow night in Anaheim, which is the next game, and then right on to Vegas after that. So we get a look right away and see how the what the impact may be on, on the ice. Thanks again. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.